gentlemen. Welcome to episode 128 of the MTB podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jared. I'm Jeff. And I'm Liam. And I'm Nico. On this episode, we have our good friend, Nico Mullally, all the way from North Carolina. I'm excited. We're going to talk about all things frameworks. You've been on the podcast two times, right? This is your third time? Uh, I think only once. That I was, sounds right. I was once, here with you, you guys. You did the video call once. Yeah. Right? That, or that you counted. did the... Yeah, that counts. It's a podcast. Okay. Or over I, the phone. I was in person once. In person, in person once. once. Remote once. So this is another in-person podcast. Yeah. Good They're stuff. way better in person. They're way better yeah. in person. Way better. And uh, what did you write here, Jared? We're going to pick his brain about all things frameworks, mm-hmm. which is Nico's race team, which has gone from a, a team of one to a team of three, which is pretty cool. Big news. You think about calling it Trace Amigos. Whoa. Trace Amigos I, frameworks? I didn't until now, but <laughs> I like it. Sorry. Tangent. Uh, and and uh, f- good questions ranging from his favorite type of egg mm-hmm. to the lessons egg? learned. Egg. egg. Yeah, egg. Like a favorite chicken type egg. of egg. Like what bird or how I like the eggs prepared? We're going to get to that later, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and lessons learned from racing and everything in between. Yeah. I guess it doesn't even have to be a bird. Could be Whoa. a... <laughs> Do other things lay it eggs? It could be a fish egg. Reptiles. Yeah. Caviar. Yeah. Caviar eggs, fish eggs. All right, we, yeah. we'll get to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Snake egg. Yep. That'll make you strong, dude. <laughs> Rattlesnake. Speak, a- speaking of being strong. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> you last <laughs> Dude, the it's main thing Carolina, you have to do dude. on podcasts is say things that may or may not be true with confidence. <laughs> then people on the internet listen to it. And they take that as fact. Oh, no. They prove yeah, us wrong. Is... We see at the bottom, sometimes yeah, yeah. we have notes from episodes past, yeah. and it's people proving us wrong of the <laughs> stuff we say. <laughs> uh, usually, we ask for them to Almost do that. Almost every so. episode. Yeah. I like to ask people, people if they have expertise. People have a lot of time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they do. People yeah. do have a lot of time. And they're just passionate. People love it. Yeah. It's cool. We have a very diverse, you know, our listeners, they have all sorts yeah. of experience. Well, yeah. we just freed up 20 minutes of Nico's week by copy-pasting your tags and your Hashtags. Dude, you guys are helping me with the social media game. Yeah, we're giving Nico some tips. Um, if people didn't know, a lot of professional mountain bike racers like Nico are not the most detail-oriented tech-savvy, would you say? I hate using electronics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, game, all electronics. <laughs> yeah. So, all, all electronics. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wide range of products. It is a wide range of products. Well, it's tough. Like, we grew up, like... All we think about is riding bikes. And now to like get paid to do that, we have to do like social media and do posts and it's not a different really world, right? riding a bike and doing marketing don't go hand in hand all the time, even though you're asked to do that. Right. And so anyway, yeah. you can't do like the marketing while you're biking. You have to be like, I got to get into marketing mode. Yeah. I love to just bike. <laughs> me too man <laughs> right everybody yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds great jeff you cool with that yeah just we'll just bike we'll just, just bike. bike and if yeah. you didn't see Not... it if you weren't there then sorry you didn't get to yeah. be a part of it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> figure out how to make money later right. and speaking uh, of which that, yeah. that's a great segue for our words of wisdom yeah, um, rattle it off. Mike's words of wisdom today, don't worry about the problem, worry about the solution. There you go. Profound. It's like extremely, actually. Extremely profound. But he just kind of spit that out today, and we were like, whoa. Replay that. 
You think that was original? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Maybe it was. It wasn't. It, which also, Daniel's fun fact, Africa is the only continent that can be found in all four hemispheres. That's pretty cool, huh? I didn't really know there's four. I thought there's two. Well, you get, you know, Who's the north, south, east, west. Prime meridian. That's right. Yeah. Good job. I only knew that, too, because I looked it up earlier. Prime meridian (laughs) vertically and equator horizontally. There you go. Wow. We're learning all sorts of stuff. Geography podcast. Geography podcast. Nico, speaking of geography, uh, you just showed us a picture of your, would that be your hip or your pelvis or your hip socket? Pelvis. Yeah. Yeah. So give us a recap on last season. You hurt yourself pretty bad in March. Yeah. I'd say to go a little bit before that, um, the week before, I got third at the Crankworks downhill in Rotorua. Oh, yeah. That's true. And I'd that sw- was an awesome highlight. It really was. Yeah. I switched to a new trainer. I was training with Jarrett Kolich, who is actually local to here. He's up in, um, I think, Ventura area. Santa Barbara, maybe? San- yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started training with him. He trains a couple of the other riders like Lucas Shaw and Bernard Kerr. And his training, he used to be a pro BMX racer. So it was a little different, a little bit more sports specific. And it took a while to adapt to that, like learn all the new training techniques. And I've been doing it for like four months at that point. And I came in to the beginning of the season, I thought feeling better form than I had for a while and went down there to New Zealand. And there were a lot of top World Cup guys at that race, like Bruni won and he was less than one second ahead of me. And I felt like it was really promising and motivating coming into the season. Yeah. And then unfortunately went to the first national here in the U S and crashed first run of practice on what I thought was a pretty sketchy, sketchy built jump. Like it's on me. I walked the track and I chose to ride my bike off at first lap, but, uh, was it at Windrock? It was. Yeah. It was okay. like a berm to berm gap that you could kind of cut the corner by jumping the berm. And it was kind of, yeah, just soft, like made of top. So it was supposed to be technical. I didn't want everybody to just do that. It was supposed to be a hard line and I just did it first lap and got kicked. And sometimes it's crazy in mountain biking. Like you'll have the hugest crash and get up and be okay. You'll be millimeters from a tree at 40 miles an hour, and no problem. But then once in a while it bites you. And this was definitely my worst injury. I was off my feet for three months, which was crazy. Like just laying in a bed had to be on crutches um kind of like that guy in willy wonk on the chocolate factory that just lays in the bed all the time <laughs> yeah for at least i i got up on the crutches after like a month and i like, could be pretty yeah. too mobile i would say they were <laughs> they were telling me to like rein it back a bit i was like hiking courses with crutches and stuff to, <laughs> some of the local races watching other people ride it's just so bored you know yeah um, you're pretty mobile sea otter i remember that you're yeah. on crutches yeah, but you're moving around that was the first big trip. That was like a month later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Seattle's obviously anybody's been there. It's a lot of walking. A lot of walking. Crutching yeah. across oh, the yeah. place. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but yeah, that that was pretty much the big thing of the year was not being able to follow through with many of my plans because I was just on crutches for the whole summer. I did get back and race the last two World Cups, which was through all that time really motivating to have that goal set. Obviously, I was imagining I was going to come back and win the race, but <laughs> those goals you got to have or else you'll they, they motivate you to like put the work in to get out of the hole. And I did those two World Cups. I did okay. I finished I think 55th at Snowshoe and then St. Anne, I finished 61st, like the position out of quality. But it was just because 
normal stuff that you'd have at the beginning of a season, like snowshoe run, I overcooked and like made a ton of mistakes. And then St. Anne, I was just too cautious because of it. It's like, that's stuff you work out in preseason races. And cause I'd been off the bike for like four months. It was just yeah. kind of like relearning it again. Yeah. The fact you even made it to those races is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. I'd say for sure. Like I went to my, um, six month checkup a month after that. And the doctor was like, dude, I think you could get back on the bike next year. I was like, dude, I raced, <laughs> no I raced two, World two World Cups. I was like, you told me three months ago I was cleared to, to like do whatever I wanted. He was like, well, maybe I wasn't specific enough. I meant you were like cleared to start getting back on your feet. <laughs> he said like for an injury like this, normally it's a year to like really get back to doing stuff. So, oh, man. And I always play, like, I don't know why. I just don't want to like the injury to define me, but I always, I've had a lot of them over my career. Like we were just saying how much yeah. lighter I'd be if I took out all the hardware that I have in my body. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've had a ton of injuries and I always play them down. I don't want it to be like the, the, what defines me is talking about this injury that I had. So I was just stoked to get back and, um, yeah, it was an accomplishment to get to those last two races. And, uh, I think it's put me in a better spot than if I just wrote the whole year off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was, I mean, even whilst you were injured, you guys were still making cool videos and adjusting the bike and putting out YouTube content that was awesome. And how, how was that experience? Just like how, how do you, how have you, you know, enjoyed or not enjoyed the, all the videos and growing the YouTube channel and kind of showing off what you guys are doing with building your own frame. And I guess now building a bike company, right? Cause now you guys are selling the frames. Yeah. I mean, generally it's cool when you can put the video together and it's the vision that you had and you can see it like create something that you're proud of, but it's a lot of work too. Like mm -hmm. you, you can't just expect to, to like knock this video out really quick and it actually be as good as you had hoped. So it's like anything you put more time into it and it's going to be better. Um, so I, I would say I'm proud of the, the videos, like the whole channel in general. I think we, told a pretty unique story and it's the type of thing that if somebody else did, I would love to watch it. So mm -hmm. for, for that, like I'm stoked on it, but, um, again, it, it, it requires a lot of time and energy to, to make that stuff. And I don't know, I, 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 I almost some days I think like, I'd rather just not do any of this. And like I said <laughs> earlier, just, man, the real world is hard. Like it's when I, when I've been a pro racer like even when i started like social media didn't exist yeah. like you you sent a resume of what place you got in the race last year and then you got paid and you just got ready for the race and and you went and did it and you didn't have to worry about taking any pictures or telling any of the story it was like your team or your sponsor's responsibility to use what result you got in the race to market their products and now the whole thing is totally different. Like the value proposition is different. And if you want to be valuable to your sponsors, you have to do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So I'd say I like doing this because if I didn't do the things that I wanted, then I would be asked to do other yeah. things that like somebody else came up with. So true. I guess taking the initiative to take the first step, I can do it in a way that um, that's true to me and that I like to do. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think the way you go about your YouTube is like <clears throat> a really why it's resonated. It's just like authentic. You're just, you're not hiding behind stuff. You're not throwing out big marketing words, you know, saying your bike's this or your bike's that. It's like, yeah, I tried this out and it didn't really work. Or I cracked every single frame I made this year, you know, like stuff like that. Like you don't hear that. And then I think that's just why it's resonated so much is 
you're not hiding behind this like professional marketing screen. You're just like, yeah, this is me and these are the videos I've made. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it builds trust too with the followers. Like then when we make a bike that I can say works, it's like they actually believe it because they saw the whole process to <laughs> yeah, get they there. saw yeah. every little thing coming up to it. And it's like every team I've raced for, we cracked just as many bikes. We just couldn't talk about it. Everyone knows. Yeah. I mean, wheels too. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't know if, if other companies, I think, did the same thing. It'd be pretty cool. But it's it tough, though, because unique. they have bikes currently in stock that they're trying to totally. sell. They can't yeah. do that. Like, yeah, well, this bike you might want to buy is we cracked a bunch of them. And and there is like a lot of people still like we did. Um, Red Bull did a video series last year. Um, I think it was called Off Track or something. Honestly, I don't know. Remember the name of the video series, but it was really cool. And it was really nice production and they did one about my project and it was like do it yourself i think it was it was like aaron with his intense team and me creating my own bikes and then they had seth bike hacks in there too and they leaned into the fact that i cracked all the frames oh and like i said that as like just being honest like I, i made eight frames this year and we cracked them all like it took a lot of riding to crack them all but then once we saw how they were cracking, they were cracking in the same way. It was, we found a solution. Now this year we didn't crack a single bike. So it was like very much a learning experience. And I knew how I wanted a bike to ride. I didn't really know about the durability. It was just a new thing for me. I've never made a bike before. And still people like that's all they watched or heard was that one sound bite on Red Bull that I cracked every frame I made. And you'll see, like, some comments like, well, is this the guy that cracks all his bikes? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I did. Like, and, and so did everybody else. But at least I showed the process. And right. People found the whole process of it interesting. So I can see why a brand wouldn't want to do that because people do hang on to those little things. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Even I'm, when people don't video them. I mean, you know, people still, like, say, like, whatever. Oh, you just crack or whatever. It's like, shut up. Yeah, I mean, it's you still know, a small yeah. percentage, but I also think too, I guess from my perspective, because I lived in the world of, I've watched World Cups and I see how fast guys like you and other professional racers go versus the other 98% of people who ride mountain bikes. 99. And yeah, 99%. <laughs> I, I just don't think, I mean, even all those frames you cracked, I just, I don't think if any of those went to the other 99% of people who weren't World Cup racers that probably any of them would have broke. Yeah. So like you didn't just go into like trying to make a bike. You went into trying to make a bike that was durable enough for a World Cup racer to race down a World Cup track, which is a totally different thing to try and do. It's like trying to build an F1 car as opposed to trying to build a Honda Civic. (laughs) (laughs) Not not the same thing, but maybe not. I don't think any of us would have cracked. Yeah, no. No. It's crazy too with downhill, the amount of time that it takes to put hours on a bike. Like we, we made a bunch for some of the local kids that it worked out really well. There was like 10 local kids that paid for their frame, the cost that it, that it cost me to make it. And then they were stoked to get a frame and then they wrote it all season and gave me some feedback. They put all their own parts on it. They worked on it themselves. And that was like really valuable real world testing for me, but they all kept track of the amount of time they put on the bike and they didn't put much time at all and these kids were racing and like they didn't have their own job right like all they had to do is go to school and train and um yeah just 
takes a long time to put hours on a downhill bike. Like most downhill tracks are three or four minutes long and the uplift is super inefficient. You can be there all day and put 20 minutes on your bike. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like as a pro racer, you put way, way, way more time than people will put on their, their bikes. So it just takes that time to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Well, now that you guys have that bike, I guess, relatively or completely dialed in. Um, yeah. Cause I guess 2023, they were pretty solid. And then coming into 24, the team has expanded You're, You've got kind of new plans, two new riders. Tell us, tell us about the new team setup with the new riders, new sponsors, like what your guys' plans are this year. Yeah. It's awesome to see the team expand. Like yeah. I never really had an exact vision for it. I just, this was a passion of mine to like create the bikes. And I always try to apply myself where I'm most effective and partially because of this injury this year I didn't feel like myself going to race against the best riders in the world cup was where I was necessarily the most effective I do still plan to race and I love racing but I thought that if I could use all that I've learned through this project all the hard work for the past few years and allow some guys who are all they think about is racing they don't have to worry about the whole project of this they could take it further than i could myself as far as the race results go so asa came into it um over a year ago it was after the u.s open in 2022 he test rode my bike the next day i met him there he actually beat me by a second in the race he's 15 i was like (laughs) dude what are you doing tomorrow do you want to test ride one of these things and he's like yeah i'd love to stay here and ride some more and he rode the bike and loved it and I supported him with frames this year. And actually when I got hurt, I tried to use the budget that I had for myself to go racing to fund him to do as much as I could. Like he was still not contracted under the same um, same sponsors as me for everything. He had some of his own sponsors, but I just tried to help him as much as I could. And he paid it back like 10 times over. He won the national championship for Enduro, beat Richie Rude on the Enduro (laughs) frame that I made like the week before. It was like his first ride on it, right? Yeah, he rode it one time at home at the Big Mountain Enduro, which he won. And like, I didn't even know he was racing. Like I sent it to him without a chain guide and the chain fell off in that Big Mountain Enduro. And I was like, dude, I would have like taken more time. I thought you were just going to get a couple hours on the bike. And we, we wanted to race the, we wanted him to race the enduro because he was only 16 and he couldn't race pro and downhill. But for some reason they said it was okay if he signs up for pro and enduro. So I was like, dude, you're going to destroy your category and downhill. Like you probably could win the elite race. You might as well focus on enduro if they're going to let you race pro. And he's like, oh yeah, sounds good. Like I've never done an enduro race before. <laughs> um, and he ends up beating Richie Rude, who won the EWS overall this year. Insane. Like, a complete phenom. Seemed he, like it came out of nowhere. He, like, he really is. Like, And it's just because of his age. Like, I think he's a really talented rider. He lives in Durango at 9,000 feet, and he rides all the time, so he's naturally so strong. Um, he just genu- genuinely loves riding his bike. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, he just kind of, like, came along at the perfect time. I never was at that time really looking for somebody um but he was the perfect fit and he's such a nice kid he's super humble um he's so talented on a bike yeah like the harder the track gets the better he is he's gonna do big things in the sport and is a perfect fit for the team um so yeah it made sense that like this year he'll be old enough to race the junior category in the world cup 
And um, yeah, we're fully supporting him on the team. So he's Sick. a huge asset to us. Yeah, um, cool. So I'm stoked to work with him. Try to, like, I've I've been there too. Like, uh, we were we were really close then, Jeff, when I was yeah. a junior and going <laughs> to race the World Cup. And yeah. I was coming in with high hopes. And um, I can understand, like, the position that he's in. So I hope to use my experience to try to mentor him. And, um, yeah, just try to block out distractions and, and keep him in a good mindset with, with everything I've learned over my career. So I think it's a good, we're a good fit to work together. Yeah. And then. Um, I was just going to say at that big mountain enduro that was in Durango. So it's his home tracks, but our buddy Aiden, that's a friend of the shop, uh, was racing and he's like, dude, the gaps that Isa was doing were screwed up. He's like, he's like, he hit like this 40 foot gap on single track. And he's like, no one else hit it. <laughs> like no, no other pro hit this gap. And he was just like hitting it every run. He does that stuff all the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's cool. Cause it like keeps me younger. I think mm-hmm. like we'll walk a track and I'm like, I'm just going to like run mainline, like roll through this rock card. And he's like, dude, I think we can jump the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool to have that. And he's right. Most of the time. That's um, amazing. At Crankworks in Rotorua, there was this line that he did in the morning practices, like over this log and in the inside. And he's like, dude, just go inside, no breaks, and you can just jump off the, the whole inside of the corner. And we looked at it in practice, and I was like, I don't know, man. It's gnarly. He's like, no, dude, I did it. It was perfect. And um, like it was a long time between practice and the race, but I was doing the line but rolling it, and I was like, all right. Like he said it's good, so I'm, I trust him. I'm going to do it if he did it. I did it in my run, and I was on the Red Bull TV broadcast, and I was the only one to do the gap in the whole race. Nice. None of the other riders did it. Sick. And it was just because Asa did it in the morning and told me that he did it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's oh, yeah. now now that time has passed, I'm like, I might be losing my ability to do the things that Asa says that he did. So yeah. I got, <laughs> well, and as he gets better too, yeah. like he's only 17, yeah. right? Yeah. He, he turns 17 next week. He's 16, week. yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So I'm um, like just – the opportunity to have a guy like that working with you doesn't come around that often. So yeah. I really wanted to take advantage of that and yeah, hopefully keep him on this team because it's a great fit for his whole career would be awesome. Um, obviously like with riders, you, you go through contracts, but um, all we can do is try to provide him the best support that we can. And he wants to stay a part of the family. Cool. Like he's, He's a kind of a shy kid and he really likes feeling part of this like family team. Like he really likes our mechanic on show. Um, he really likes hanging out with me and sometimes it can be intimidating going to a big team like that. So I think ours is perfect cause we're, we're small, but we have everything we need. So it's a, it's a good fit for him. Yeah. And then we have Angel too, which kind of came around a little bit late. As you can see in the industry now, like a lot of teams are folding. Um, which is kind of a reflection on some some of the market trends. Um, a lot of times racing is when the first thing gets cut and you see a lot of teams pulling out. And he actually had a contract to race with Uno for the next three years. Wow. Um, Uno was the main sponsor of his team. It was a privately run team. And pretty late, he got the word that the team didn't want to continue. So they actually paid him his salary for this year. 
and let him out of his contract because it was so late. Like, obviously, he has a three-year deal. He needs to be compensated some way. Um, so it put him in a spot where he just needed a good ride. And we could pay him a smaller salary than he would probably be worth. But with the position he was in, um, we were able to get a lot better rider than we could afford. Like our budget's a lot smaller. Most of the teams we're going up against with the riders we have, um, they have four times the budget that we do. So to be able to get Angel this year was like a huge value to us. Um, and me specifically, like I've been a teammate with him on YT and I see how talented he's like one of the most, like if you just look at his technique on the bike, I was riding with him all last week on his home trails in Spain, just like corners that I wouldn't put my outside foot down to like lean the bike more. He's so good at like placing the bike, putting his outside foot down and leaning the bike so much further than I would and keeping his weight like vertically over the tires driving it into the ground um just watching him ride he's like his technique is so good and i think he's had a lot of struggles over his career with injuries and just like team switches every year i think he's struggled a lot with that um and he knows me uh, my mechanic Ancho used to be his mechanic and they live in the same spot um martin whiteley is our team manager who's helped me a lot over my career and was our team manager when we were on yt together so Angel knows that. He knows like the whole structure. Um, we don't have a huge semi truck there, but we have an amazing bike, probably the best bike in the race. And we have a really good environment to, to work in. So it'll be awesome. Like it's exciting for me to have a guy like that on the team. Like, I really love racing and trying to work together to see how we can achieve these results. I think in my position, like knowing everything I do, um, have learned through this bike development process and analyzing everything. Sometimes it's too much to think about when you like, it's a detriment to me racing, but for another guy, I, I can be the one to like carry that burden and give him exactly the setup that he needs or block out distractions like for both the riders and allow them to focus on just getting in the right mindset and trust that like their bike's going to be good they're going to have everything they need all they need to focus on is the race so yeah. it's exciting i'm such a fan of world cup riding and world cup racing and to be in a position to like have a team like this is is really cool yeah, yeah. so the plan is basically all all three of you guys you and angel going to be racing elite and then asa racing juniors right doing the whole world cup series this this 2024 season yeah yeah for yeah. sure um and for me, like, I'm going to do the first four races and see how it's going. Like, I don't want to be out there if I'm lame. Like, I yeah. want to be out there, <laughs> at, at, like, adding value in some way. And a lot yeah. of that is is testing new things. Like, we have some new bike stuff that we're working on that I don't want to put them on a bike that's unproven or unreliable. I want to do all the testing. You have to test it in a race. Like, this whole frameworks thing has developed so quickly because I did all the testing at World Cup races. And we have some new stuff that we're going to work on, um, just ideas, like future concepts that I'll race and until it's proven to be reliable and also an advantage, they won't race. Like the bike we have now is, like I said, more competitive than any other bike in the field, um, at least as competitive. Obviously, yeah. a couple of the teams have really good bikes too, but um, that's kind of a cool spot to be in where I'm like guinea pigging a lot of this stuff and pioneering it. And then giving it to the boys and, and helping them and 
being there on track as well, like I can have a different perspective than another team owner or team manager would. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. It's this, this is a good big, setup. Good season stoked. to watch for sure. On uh, how do you watch it? That's what I was going to ask you actually. <laughs> it's like, on, what it's are you on HBO Max this year. Is oh, it? Is it? Yeah. That's the deal that got finalized. I remember all the controversy and drama and then I don't remember what yeah. the verdict was where you can watch the World Cups. Yeah. Uh, I think oh, they're trying their Max. best. I'm in. I got Max. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. It's it's just Max now. Just Max. Yeah. And I have Jeff's yeah. login. Oh, no <laughs> I'll give anybody my HBO <laughs> Max login. <laughs> wow. Just say what it is now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, coming into a commercial break, you will get my HBO yeah. Max login. That's like uh, on Wade Simmons level of giving a cell phone out right. on the podcast. Yeah. Did he? Good. He yeah. did, yeah. No yeah. way. And, yeah. The, and, then, <laughs> and then half an hour later, he's like, oh, I didn't realize how many people is in this podcast. Maybe just... <laughs> Take that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. All right. Well, speaking of which, commercial break. Commercial break. Yeah. Coming at you. New sponsor. And now, a word from our sponsors. Excuses got you stuck in the flatlands? Ditch the doubt. Dust off the potato chips. The Downhill Southeast Race Series is calling. These ain't your mama's mountain bike races. They're a primal scream against what ifs. Shred fear. Conquer trails. Unleash your inner beast. Downhill Southeast. Register now glory awaits visit downhillsoutheast.com right now i i could just do a normal one too <laughs> uh, yeah stick with that one i think it's funny but i wouldn't actually use this as an ad it's perfect <laughs> and now back to the show speaking of fudge jared read the questions. first question first please. question how did the centrifugal clutch weight prank call come about well i've I was injured and trying to do something valuable for the sponsors. So obviously this idea was going to hit the nail on the head. Super valuable. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> dude, Jeff and I used to, when we were kids, love prank phone calls. Yeah, like the amount oh. of CKY videos. <laughs> jerky boys. Jerky boys. We yeah, used to yeah. listen to that. The same ones. Too. They only had like two albums. We yeah, listened to the yeah. same ones. We just listened to the same ones. Over and, and I was over. like, dude, what about like a, I could do a prank phone call where I call in and say something funny about bikes. And like, I, w I, I wanted to do more technical, like how I want to mullet this thing. Like call in with a funny <laughs> accent and be like, yo dude, I got this two seven five. I'm, I'm looking to mullet this thing. <laughs> how, what can I do to mullet my Bronson? And, and just like talk to somebody on the phone. And Jeff was like, oh, you should do it. Like we made this funny centrifugal clutch weights for the hub. Um, he showed me the video. He's like, you should call and just act like you thought that wasn't a joke and just see whatever person on the other side says. <laughs> and uh, who was it that picked up? It was, it was David. Yeah, dude. Right? And I yeah. knew David because he's, he's the nicest guy and he was just so genuinely caring to explain to you that that wasn't, that was a prank video. <laughs> I know. Like I, I've ordered a bunch of stuff like, yo, David, I really need these bearings. Do you think you can get them for me from QBP and I'll come pick them up? So I like knew him and I thought he was going <laughs> to recognize my voice. <laughs> And, uh, but I, anyway, I called and I didn't know how anybody could think that that wasn't a joke, but I rolled with it and. Oh, you'd be surprised. Well, even on that video itself, there's a bunch of comments that people don't know. It's so yeah. funny. Like people are confused or, yeah. people, or people comment and say, I honestly thought this was real. And then I went and took my cassette off and then realized that's probably not real. Went back, watched it again, looked at the comments, realized it's not real. Like that's their comment. <laughs> yeah. We, we did a floating frame one where we. You know, we do the floating frame shots and we threw it off like five foot, off 10 foot, and then off the entire building that we're in. And people were like, 
dude, why would you ruin a frame for that shot? They're like genuinely upset that we ruined a frame. It's like, no, it was a, it was a blemished frame that Rebel sent us. Yeah, that like, triggered a lot of people. Triggered a lot of still, people. Still, to this yeah. day, we'll post a, fl- a floating shot or whatever, and people are like, I can't believe you dropped that fork for that shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we just like Photoshop yeah. magic. Floating yeah. frame, and people what think it, that what we is dropped this? it. Next question is super vague, and who is it po- directed to? Who do you Nico, Nico? how are his do cats? You, have, you, you, you have, have cats? Yeah, I have three. Oh, wow. Three, right. three cats. We were down one, oh. and then while trying to find that cat, another one came. So oh we're gosh. back up to three. You've okay. got the cat distribution system dialed in. Yeah. You've but, got three. <laughs> but you did lose a cat, and you never got it back. Is we that... lost two, actually, but oh, that we never got back. You know, they found greener pastures. The indoor-outdoor? or are they just... Yeah. Okay. I'd rather the cats live a good life, even if it's only short, than be stuck inside the house. That's fair. Okay. You look at my cat. That cat is like, she, she was past the socialization, socialization period when we got her. So she's just timid about everything. Okay. So she wouldn't, she would die immediately if she was an outdoor cat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally see, like, I feel bad. I wish I could take her out and stuff, you know, but it's just like. Get a leash. When you put like a harness on them, they just imagine that like they can't move, yeah. they're, like paralyzed. <laughs> you, have to, you have to start that from a kid. You put do. It in a, and then you drag it around the floor stroller. like a mop. We would have to stroller. That's, and his, his cat want, would be a mop, like long right? hair. <laughs> totally. But just want to check in, see how your cats were doing, you know. That question was for me, Liam. So. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we really just got to the real meat. So what happens? Right? How do you get new should, cats? Should we just leave? It's like a new, <laughs> this guy's talking yeah, about yeah, cats. We can, we can how do you get a new good. cat? Like the cat, you said another one came about, a stray cat. Just, like just showed up. Just showed up. Did we, well, we had bowls of food outside that? hoping that the one would come back. And then uh. a new cat came to eat that food. That's <laughs> <laughs> your cat now. I like that new cat. <laughs> What's so, your cat's name? Steve. Nice. Um, <laughs> so I started bringing it inside and Callie is very protective. Like one of our cats she likes more than me. So <laughs> she was like, oh, I don't Fair want enough. that outside cat, that like feral cat around our cats. Yeah. I, I don't know why I cared so much. I took it to the vet to make sure that this cat didn't have any diseases before putting it with the other cats. Or that was like chipped or anything. Or yeah, like, check to or... see. I wanted to, like we were sad when we lost ours. It was somebody else. It was obviously a pet, this cat. Like it right. was really nice. Yeah. Find out where it came from. Couldn't find anything. So now we got Steve in the house. So. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Look at that. A wholesome cat story you yeah. just got. L- listeners are going to love I, I like how Nico's even like, I don't even know why I took it to the vet. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it though. That's going to resonate yeah. with a lot of listeners. They love cat talking. They probably didn't even know that Nico had cats. Yeah. That's. Yep. Gosh. Thanks, Jared. You might get a lot of cat fan mail now like we do. Yeah. Jared's cat. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to email frameworks cat. like, can you come out with a cat themed bike or something? We took the cat to the, to the bike park the one day. And posted on the Canuga Instagram that the cat was there. Nice. And the next day, people were bringing gifts for the cat. Like <laughs> little cat toys. Like, oh, I saw the cat. Is he still here? That's so awesome. <laughs> Crazy. That's great. That's amazing. All right. That's enough cat talk for you guys. Yeah. Oh, lame cats. Um, where does Nico stand on the crunchy or smooth peanut butter debate? Like for a PB&J. I like the crunchy peanut butter. Me too. Nice. Yeah. Solid. Crunchy's good. Jeff? Yeah, so totally crunchy. Yeah, sick. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, do you want to read the next one? <laughs> yeah. Biggest lessons learned as a racer that trans- transferred into personal life? Um, I'd say with racing, it's like an instant feedback chain. The, the clock doesn't lie. And normally the effort you put into something is the result you get out. And a lot of things you do in life, you aren't compared to the best people in the world directly in numbers every time you do it. 
So <laughs> with racing, like you learn pretty quickly whether you did it right or not. And I think that feedback is super valuable to carry into anything that you do. Nice. Awesome. How about this one? Bike spec question. What is the main reason you went with Conti over Maxxis for this year? And also your favorite Conti tire setup? Um, I'd say the first reason was performance. I think the Conti tires right now have a little edge, um, especially the harder you push them, like the more consistent they are. I felt like we could get a little bit more out of that with the Maxxis tires. Um, and honestly, those guys at Maxxis were so good to work with. They've been friends of mine for a long time. So this was a tough decision. And we had been like working on development of tires to go this way. So I kind of felt like I was trading teams. Um, but the Conti offer was really good financially. And I felt like tires available right now, they gave us an edge. So um, it, it just made sense to go that way. Nice. Um, right now, the... Cryptotol front and rear is is really good. I need to do more experimenting. Like I saw a lot of guys um, running the Cryptotol front even on the back mm -hmm. on some World Cup tracks mm -hmm. and vice versa. Um, I really like the Argatol, which is their more aggressive tire. Mm -hmm. For how aggressive that tire is, it's really consistent across a lot of different surfaces. So a lot of times you go for a more open tread pattern with taller knobs or bigger void between them. It's good when the tire can bite in, but it can be pretty sketchy on hard pack stuff. Mm -hmm. Your tire can like squirm or like deflect you different ways. Like the further you go in one way, it takes away from something else. It makes right. sense. But that tire for how good it is on loose stuff, it's still very, very rideable on hard pack stuff. Nice. And that's an interesting thing on World Cup tracks. Like the track top to bottom is often not consistent. They'll be at like older tracks where they'll build a new section. So you could have like some section that's super hard packed and beat. And then they, they went for like a short section that's new and that's way softer. So it's hard to like, as a rider feel the ground when the, the service is changing on the trail you're riding. And then when you get off of that new section, you drug like loose dirt over the hard packed. So, um, that tire I thought was really impressive. The Argatol for, how aggressive it was, but still being consistent across hard pack terrain. Nice. You're running that front and rear. Yeah. When I have run it, it. And, and like we're, we're only less than a month into this. So I need to do more testing with the available tires, but I've run it front and rear and been really impressed. Nice. Argatol. Yeah. Nice. Pretty sick. Yeah. My, my tire prediction for 2024, at least in just the tires we sell um, I think Conti, which it's already been trending this way in 2023, but I think it's going to continue just like chipping away into the second place of most popular tires. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. I think little if, Maxis domination is at at risk right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you know Continental's working on the distribution for this year, so once they kind of really lock that in, I think it's gravity side of things going to be really even. Yeah, gravity side of things is important because that that's the other thing that's going to take at least five to ten years for Continental to build out is the amount of variance that Maxxis yeah. has. It's like every single type of mm -hmm. casing and compound and width and diameter and then all the different riding disciplines. It's unbelievable <laughs> the amount of SKUs that yeah. Maxxis offers. So no one's yeah. going to beat him there for five to ten years. For sure. But on gravity, it's, yeah. I think crazy. in some 
senses there's too many though. There yeah. definitely is. Yeah, a lot. you could for sure. You could yeah. certainly argue that. But you say that, and then you meet people like Liam, who's like, no, no, but I want it just like this, and just like that, because this one thing I'm doing next weekend. <laughs> like, so I want that right. tire. For I want that. the EXO plus Max Grip as a guy. Not I don't, the double I don't, down. I don't just ride downhill like Nico. So it's true. I run downhill casing tires like for the past six years. I don't think I've ever run another tire. Like yeah. the tires just feel so much more planted to me with the bigger case. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They they definitely do. I but, feel like they could get. Like if you have four casings, you could probably take it down to two. There's some, some companies do that. I, I think mean, right? yeah, like WTBS yeah. two. Mm-hmm. Uh, just light and what are they called? Light uh, and tough. There's light and tough. Yeah, yeah. Like delium, right? Two delium, casings. yeah, two casings. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you could probably narrow down some of Max's skews, but also there are people like me that kind of enjoy that one tire that has Max Terra versus Max Grip. Because, you know, I, I pay for most of my tires. Mm-hmm. So Max Terra lasts a couple weekends longer than Max Grip. Backhanded compliment. <laughs> when was the last time you paid for tires, Nico? I, I said most of them. I still get floated tires. You know, I'm, I'm still, you know, spoiled. Yeah, like all of the tires I give you. That too, yeah. Wow, that's true. That is a lot of Which tires. Pretty much still new tires. I Nico, got about 10 rides on Nico tires probably and then I don't want them anymore. Roaches tires more than you do. Yeah, for sure. Well, it is crazy. Significantly more. <laughs> How many tires we use? Like, I yeah. think about that yeah. sometimes when, like, they want to use reusable coarse tape because they think it's, like, producing less waste. Yeah. And how many riders came there and used a tire for four runs and then threw it away? <laughs> and not just the tire, but, <laughs> like, flew there on an airplane. <laughs> how many? <laughs> with a semi-truck. It's all understandable. Yeah. How many rims do they also go through? Like, I know alloy rims, it's, like, one every other run, maybe? For a lot of people? I mean, as far as like it being perfect, yeah. yeah. Alloy rims are always in some state between perfect and not rideable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about yeah. carbon, like on an average race? I remember one, I don't remember which one it was, but like it was, the track was just notoriously cracking like everybody's wheels. Well, what, I, think, which, I think snowshoes especially hard. Yeah. Mount St. Anne is really Mount, bad Mount for St. Too. Mount Soul too? It's not as bad not for bad. like Fort William is... It was smoother this year, but Mount St. Anne's really bad yeah. for wheels. Now, that Stevie Smith drop, like, so many people tacoed wheels on the live broadcast on this. Yeah. I think they were probably on their last leg before yeah. they got there and then put them over. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I like carbon rims because they're only ever perfect or unrideable. That's or, true. No, yeah. no in, in between. There's no in between. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really like the Envy ones we're using this year because they have a rim strip that even if you do crack the rim, it keeps a seal between the tire and the and the rim. Nice. Which is pretty cool to me. Like it's something that's developed for racing. There's not a lot of people that are like, hmm, I want a product that when I break it, I can keep riding it as hard as possible. And for a race, like you need to get to the finish. For sure. Yeah. So that's a really nice little insurance. And I think it also, it goes over the beat of the rim. So it adds protection. Nice. Um, so I'm, I've been liking those and like, yeah, I like carbon rims because they are more durable. The, what it takes to break a carbon rim would also break an aluminum rim, but when it does break, normally it's more catastrophic than an aluminum one. For sure. Yeah. Um, inserts or no inserts this year? Um, we don't have a sponsor for them. Uh, normally I run it for an added protection. Some people think that the inserts make the rims break sooner. But I, I don't. Too. I don't like believe com- that that's true. Like, it or maybe some um, like it other packs onto the rim surface and like uh, adds. You know. Other brands that I've worked with have done like lab testing and showed that the 
like a cush core is probably the go-to it'll make the rim last longer hmm. i mean it'd be like you want to hit your knee on the ground with a knee pad or without one yeah i think the cush core kind of does the same thing yeah so normally when i run it's not because i'm looking for some ride quality i'm looking for added protection because i know i'm gonna hit a lot of stuff and <laughs> I want to keep my bike rolling. Nice. So if we need to at certain tracks, like St. Anne is, is so tough with it, maybe we'll have to throw one in, but it'll just be a by case basis. Right nice. now we're running them with none. No pun intended. The case basis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <Hopefully. laughs> oh, that was horrible. All right. Great segue to the next question. This was uh, submitted by five dev. So they might have a little more like insider information onto this question but is it true that you only eat premium i think it's supposed to be like eight dollar eggs premium 8.00 yeah. eggs what's a premium 8.00 i used to figure it's supposed to be eight it's, it's supposed, i know if it's submitted by five dev then it's that um <laughs> we will went to this like healthier um grocery store where they have a deli and while we were there i'm like let's pick up a couple things we need food for breakfast tomorrow so i got the like local cage-free eggs and they i think they were eight bucks and he gave me such a hard time for for picking up those eggs like the dude's selling people fifteen hundred dollar cranks and we can't get eight dollar eggs so i I just thought like yeah the eggs are a little pricey but like we're talking about a four dollar difference here yeah and they're local cage free yeah like they were they were good Uh, i normally try to get those but like Honestly, I'm not too picky. Like, I'll eat whatever eggs yeah. we have. But if we have the chance to get, like, the local, like, not even a business, like, somebody's handwritten on there, like, oh, yeah. here, here are the eggs. Um, like yeah. farmer's market eggs. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he, he kept, like, hanging on to that. And I was like, <laughs> he's still, apparently he's drink still, still still is, $48 beers while we were here, and I can't eat an $8 egg. <laughs> Well, if you if you go anywhere with Jeff and he's buying food, he doesn't look at the prices of eggs or things like that. He just buys what he wants. So it's all about quality. Yeah. Cost is way farther down the list. I've seen you drop a lot of money at Sun Life before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what they say? You if you got to ask, smoothie. if you got to ask how much it costs, you probably can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Liam, you want to read the next one? Will we be seeing any more development of the steel front end? If not, why? Thanks. Uh, yeah, actually, we, we're we going to be making a new one this year. Um, a buddy of mine, Adam Proces, he used to work for Reeb, who he was prototyping a lot of their stuff. He just started his own company now. So he's making CNC parts, and he is like a small manufacturer. And I've got some headset cups prototyped with him, and he's made me a few one-off things for my bike. I've got a lot of resources that I can go to now, like depending on what type of thing that I need for the, for the bikes. And he's really good because he makes it all in Colorado. So you can do it quick. Obviously, it's a little more expensive. Um, but he has a lot of experience welding and making these steel ba- steel bikes. And I had the idea to like try to make my steel bike improve it and make it better. Um, I found that it would just deflect like the frame like the bb area would flex too much in really loaded turns but it had like such a supple feel like the frame absorbed so much vibration and i wanted it to be stiffer but it was already pretty heavy like 800 grams more than my aluminum frame so i was like how can we make this frame stiffer but i don't want it to be heavier in fact i would like it to be lighter um 
And he, he had some really good suggestions on tubing choice instead of bending the down tube, 3D printing the bend mm. and then um, like with a protrusion to get a full penetration weld. Apparently when you bend the tube, you make it a lot weaker. So um, he came back with like a proposal for our same steel frame to be the same weight, but 16% stiffer, which is a lot. It's a big gain. We're like chasing a lot more marginal gains than that in racing most of the time. So um, he's going to weld us one um, with some tubing that he chose, and I'm going to try that out. So it's it's cool. Like the steel had a really good feel to it. Um, it was just like the harder you pushed it, the more it would flex. And I let Asa ride it because um, I, I was kind of torn. I was like, this thing is good in certain situations, like on a muddy day where you don't have a lot of grip and you can't push the frame, like the tires are going to slide before the frame can be loaded so much that it flexes. This thing would be awesome. And like with a small 38 mil down tube, it's crazy. It does the bikes actually so much lighter when it's covered in mud because you can't collect that much mud. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of carbon bikes have such a big down tube. Mm-hmm. They get caked with mud and then you've got 12 pounds of mud on the bike. Yeah. You've got these small steel tubes. They actually can't collect that much mud. Um, so yeah, it has certain advantages, but I let Asa ride it and he like, so humbly said, I really think my dad would like this bike. <laughs> uh, like, okay. I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's forgiving. Right? It's like, yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. So hopefully we can make one that like retains the good qualities and makes it a little stiffer in the yeah. areas we need to. I've I've heard only good things about those Reebs, so yeah. But people that ride steel bikes are a unique breed. They're like yeah, loud and proud, sure. and like, it could be worse, and they'll <laughs> still like yeah, it better. Still stick yeah, I, we built up a Reeb here, so I just parking lot rode it, and it felt fun. But I have no actual trail feel on it. Yeah. Yeah, we cool test those more. For sure, that production privy is pretty good riding bike, but yeah, it's just a little heavy. I mean, yeah kind of a pig but super fun on downhill and like you said kind of has like that unique ride quality to it that i don't know what you're saying about like steel bike and the mud do you feel like that's why a lot of like uk companies make steel hardtails and stuff like that or is that just a coincidence it i'm I'm not sure um i don't have any i don't got any data on that (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i just feel like i always see these uk people come out of the woodwork like oh yeah i think steel hardtail mate steel's really easy to work with yeah like to to make your own bike you don't have to heat treat it like if you weld aluminum 6061 you need to heat treat it and it's a whole process to that it's also hard to then weld it and heat treat it and then get all your tolerances back mm. i've learned like you have a perfect circle for a headset cup to go in you weld all around there and now your perfect circle is an egg shape oh, wow. and you got to get it back to the shape that it was and then ream it to fit that that cup in perfectly you're gonna have problems wow and um with steel you don't have to heat treat it you're dealing with thinner walls and there still is heat affected zones but you don't have to follow the same processes as you do with aluminum it's possible for somebody to buy some steel tubing for cheap i think the steel is easy to weld but it's hard because you're normally dealing with really thin wall thicknesses Mm -hmm. and then they don't have to do the final process so so a little easier for like a homegrown. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of them do manufacturer to do steel. Yeah. Okay. Got to the bottom of that. A Plus, little bit. if you're doing a hardtail, steel has a good ride feel. 
Compared to aluminum, right? For sure. Aluminum's. I think the main reason is that it's got such a strength to weight ratio. Mm-hmm. Like it's five times stronger than aluminum in the same volume, but three times the weight. So you can use a lot smaller tubes and get them to like, what I've learned is it's more the geometry of the tube. So like the cross section of the tube, the OD of it gives it its structural strength and its stiffness because steel is so strong as a material. You can use a lot thinner tubing um, at smaller, smaller diameter tubing Hmm. and the geometry of those tubes makes it more forgiving. And because the steel is strong, you get the same weight. Sweet. Nice. You know a lot about bikes, man. <laughs> this is not the type of stuff that I wanted to learn. <laughs> I was like, yo, where can we put the pivots and the geometry so that it rides sick? <laughs> <laughs> now I know this stuff that I just said. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Last question. Advice for new racers. Uh, they got to spend time riding. That's the main thing. There's no substitute for putting time on your bike. Um, whenever people ask like what they could do to get faster, it's like go like depending on what type of race you're doing, is enduro or downhill, like pick something similar to what your race is and just replicate it. Like go find a trail and do your fastest run down it where you go pro and like watch that and see where you could have done it better and then go do another one. Like until you get to the point where you're plateaued with that. I think then you can start working on like training specific things and doing like breaking it down a lot more, but there's so much to be gained from just like timing yourself doing like race simulation and then seeing like how that, how that felt as you pushed and what the time equated to, you could try a run where you just like charge as hard as you can you like feel like you're like super aggressive and then one where you try to be more relaxed and smoother and see like what your time actually says so if you can understand like the feeling of time then you can be a really good racer for like these gravity disciplines anyway to know like places where you can relax or where it's actually being smooth is faster versus places where it really pays off to be aggressive i think a lot of people only are on the clock when they're in a real race. And if you can practice that, I think it give you an advantage. I think it's pretty good advice. That was a fantastic piece of advice. Great advice. <laughs> good job, Nico. Nice work, Thank Nico. <laughs> well, if people want to follow you, YouTube, Instagram, all the above, phone yeah, number. What's your preferred? You want to give you want to give out your phone number like Wade Simmons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would I would rather that if it was possible. <laughs> it's like I'd prefer to actually not give out my social media. So Instagram, Frameworks Racing, you guys are going to cover everything on there, right? Yeah, and then yeah. your personal Instagram, which is what? Just my M-U-L-A-L-L-Y. Correct, yeah. And then same thing with YouTube. Yeah. Search up Nico Malali. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll all be watching and seeing how the season goes. I'm excited. Yeah. It's God. not just you now. I got, got a whole... The Trace Amigos on there. Trace Amigos. Ready to get out there and shred. Yep. It's going to be cool to see. Luckily, I got an HBO Max subscription. Yep. Uh, drop a uh, five-star review for our podcast on Spotify or Apple, and I will give you my HBO Max login details. No way. I probably won't actually do that because 
<laughs> like five that. devices logged in at yeah. once. It's going to be five hundred. Five hundred. Yeah, at least. No, I okay, I won't give you the HBO fun. Max login, but we will give you a fifteen dollar gift card to the fifteen dollar gift card. Fifteen. You're paying people to give you five star reviews. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, okay. Not just when you say it like that. When you say it like that. <laughs> it's very helpful for the podcast, hey, and it's a nice that, gesture. Yeah. It's a nice gesture. They, the should, they should do it because they believe it, not because he's giving them. Well, well you know, do. sometimes you got to bribe people, all right? Yeah. <laughs> They're not all a five-star. There's a couple fours in there. It's a light, yeah, light it's a couple. Too. You don't yeah. give the four-star reviews the gift card, do you? Well, we don't pay them for the five-stars. pay them for the review. I'm just kidding. There's only like, <laughs> only like one four-star review ever. We are the highest-rated <laughs> mountain bike podcast in the galaxy. Imagine taking the time to like give a review, but only giving four stars. <laughs> <laughs> You're a discerning reviewer. It's, it's like one or five, huh? Yeah. yeah. Like this sucks or this is great. Yeah. Or yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, are they like, huh, I want to give them like some constructive criticism. Like, I don't want them to think it's the best thing ever, but they did a pretty good job. Like, four is pretty good. <laughs> I don't want to pump these guys up too didn't much. Do that. Oh. Didn't give us any constructive criticism. Great podcast. Loved it. Four stars. Yeah, that's that's what I think is the funniest. The three or four stars, that, and then the, the text is glowing. Yeah, it's yeah. like absolutely amazing. Four stars. What? <laughs> Maybe their perspective of like what a five star is is just a scaled thing. It's all subjective. Yeah, yeah. Shooting for the stars, man. Well, anyways, Nico, thank you for being on. If you've made it this far, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thank you.